0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. One of the most
1: important truths in this world that people have a really hard time embracing is the fact that we are not alone, that you are not alone. Now, there are many occasions when you probably feel that you are For example, if there's nobody else around you, you probably feel like you're alone. We could probably agree, you and I, that there is a God. If I make that assumption that we agree that there is a God, then you would probably say that you're not alone because God is around you, He's with you, He's perhaps aware of who you are and what you're doing. And in that way, we could probably say that you're not alone, although you probably feel like you are alone even with that acknowledgement because you may not know a whole lot about who he is. You may not know what he's doing. You may not be able to see the world through his eyes or hear the world through his ears. You may not have a very good understanding of who he is. And so because of that, you could very well feel as if you are alone, even with the acknowledgement that there is a God. But regardless of how we feel or what we think, The truth of the matter is that we are not alone. And I don't just mean that in the sense of other people being around us or the presence of God being around us. I mean that in the sense that there is a devil. And there are angels who rejected God along with the devil. One third of the angels in heaven rejected their God, rejected their place in his creation. They abandoned who they were. Who he is, and they decided to live in a different way, in a way that he did not intend. He created them in such a way that they could choose what they were going to do, who they were going to serve, and they chose something other than what God wanted. So we have the devil and his demons, or the devil and his angels, and two thirds of the angels did stay with God, and they are still actively involved. In the work that he is doing, we have angels around us who are devoted to the living God, just as we have demons who are not. Now, for the devil to really have the maximum effect in other people's lives, it is helpful for him to live and work in such a way that people don't know that he exists. It's definitely to his advantage. It is to his advantage Not to let people know that he exists and to continue to do what he wants to do without their knowledge, without their recognition that he exists. Because if he is exposed, if it is revealed that he is, that his devils are, that his demons are, if it is revealed to humanity that there is a devil, that there are demons who are actively involved in people's lives, if that is exposed, then people will begin to question, is there a God or not? I mean, if there's a devil, then there must be a God. There must be angels. If there is something, if there is someone who is so evil as this, then perhaps there is also someone who is great, who is good. So it is to the devil's advantage to keep people from knowing who he is. It is to his advantage in order for it to be possible for him to have a greater effect in humanity because people will not turn to the living God. Now, what is he doing and why? I mean, what is he doing here? What's, what's his purpose here? What is he hoping to accomplish? These are very important questions. In fact, I did a complete series on the subject of spiritual warfare, where I talked about these questions and how I personally believe they should be considered and some answers that I think are very, very important to consider. And so I would like to definitely encourage you to listen to the programs that I produced on spiritual warfare. The fundamental premise of those programs was not to teach you how to get rid of demons. That wasn't the idea. The idea was to explain to you the nature of the war. The nature of the war that we are engaged in and where does this war come from? Why is this a war? How do we know if we're winning or losing? Things like that. That's what that series was about. But in this series, I did explain that the devil does get to experience an advantage in this world because of us. He gets to experience an advantage. He gets to experience something. And this is how it works. He tells us. He whispers to us. He communicates to us things that are contrary to what God declares. He tells us things that are not true. And there are many people who will believe him and their lives will be a reflection of what they believe. You see, our lives are a true reflection of what we believe. We live in a way that we think is right. We make decisions that are right in our eyes. We live in a way that is a reflection of our beliefs concerning who God is and who he is not. We live according to our knowledge of what is good, what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when the devil told Adam and Eve that all they needed to know was what was good and what was evil. That's all they needed to know. They needed to know what was evil so that they could be sure not to do that, of course, and they needed to know what was good so that they could be sure to do that. Because if they did that, then they could be like God. That was the original lie that the devil presented to Adam and Eve. And because of that, the Spirit of God departed from within Adam and Eve. They became spiritually dead. They became empty. And in their condition, they became vulnerable. They became vulnerable to other spirits, other beings, who could whisper to them, who could speak to them, who could guide them and lead them. And because they would live their lives, which many people have done and will continue to do, people live their lives on the basis of what they believe is right and what they believe can very easily be what they were told from a demon that they are not aware of, who spoke to them using their own voice who shared things with them, who put things in their heads that were not of God, but seemed pretty good, seemed to make sense. There are many things that people believe, many things that people believe, that simply are not true but sound pretty good, and they live their lives according to these things. And so what is their life like? What would we say about their lives? We could say that their life is a reflection of, of the God who they serve. Even though they may not know that they are serving a God, their lives are a physical, visible, and audible manifestation of what they believe. And what they believe is something that is not true, that was told them by the devil or his angels. So if people will live on the basis of what they believe, if that's true, then they will become a physical, visible, and audible manifestation of the devil and his demons. It is an opportunity for the devil to manifest himself within and through us, for the demons to reveal themselves, reveal their character, their being. They can use us in order to express themselves in the world that God has created. And in that way, we worship these demons. We worship them in this abstract sense to provide them with an opportunity to manifest themselves in such a way that we will be a reflection of the devil and his demons. Now, there is, of course, a lot to be said about this. The series that I did on spiritual warfare is what you want to listen to if you want more details concerning this. I'm just giving you a summary right now that the end result is that we become a reflection of the devil instead of being a reflection of the living God as he originally created Adam and Eve to be in his image through our death. The devil and his demons were then able to utilize us to manifest their image so that we would be in the image of them. Now, what I want you to understand is that even though we do not know that this is what is happening, it's still happening. Even though people don't acknowledge that this is happening, they don't understand that this is happening, it's still happening. People are serving the devil, even though they may not acknowledge his existence they still are. They don't need to acknowledge his existence. He doesn't need people to acknowledge his existence. Now, of course, he has lots of people who do and who worship him willingly. He has people like that. I know them. I've met them. There are a few here and there. And so I want you to understand that, of course, there are some who worship him in an open, clear, recognizable way. But there are others who do so without even acknowledging his existence at all. Now. What I want you to consider is the fact that the devil said that Adam and Eve could live according to the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is the law. So when you live according to the law, you by default serve the devil. Now, of course, God gave a law and Through that law, he increased the amount of sin in the world. I know that there are many people who believe that because we have the law of God, we now have the means of reducing the amount of sin in the world. But that's not what happened. Sin was increased through the law, even the law that God gave. I believe he did this intentionally, that this was not a surprise to God, even though it's a surprise to you and I. It was not a surprise to him. He did that in order to increase transgressions so that people would eventually reach the point of despair and turn to him for his grace and mercy. That was, of course, the intent, the purpose of the law. But what I want you to consider is this aspect of good and evil for just a moment, because when a person lives their lives without the acknowledgement of the living God, they are serving the devil. And when a person lives their lives without acknowledging God, they only have one of two possibilities. They have a life of Indulging their flesh, or they have a life of restraining their flesh. And of course, there are variations between the two extremes where an individual lives completely for the indulgence of their flesh and another individual lives completely for the restraint of their flesh. And there's variations in between where there's a little indulgence and a lot of restraint, or a little restraint and a lot of indulgence. I understand that. But what I want you to understand is the fact that regardless, of what extreme a person lives by, they are still living according to the devil, regardless of which extreme a person lives by. It doesn't matter. Let's start with the indulgence of the flesh. That's pretty simple. That's easy to recognize. When an individual lives for the indulgence of their flesh, they believe that they are going to be loved and accepted because of their engagement with sin in the world, engaging the world by committing sin. They believe that they will be able to experience fulfillment in the deepest part of their being through participating in things that are well known to be evil. That is how I would describe the indulgence of the flesh. For this kind of an individual, it's pretty obvious that they are worshiping uh, the devil and his demons. It's pretty obvious in the sense that they live according to The evil that would be expected to be promoted by such evil beings. That is easy to see that you can see a manifestation of the devil, his angels, the demons, the enemy of God. You can see the manifestation of him through the evil that is perpetuated. That's pretty simple. And there are people who will pursue that in the world, people who have a propensity to have kind of a natural rebellious attitude. You know, there's people like that who, if you tell them that something is wrong, you tell them that something is a violation of the law of God, they will respond by saying, well, I'll tell you what, let me show you that I'm my own person and that I am my own God or that I don't really believe in God at all. I'm going to do it just in spite. You know, there's people like that. The devil can utilize those people. Those are the people that would fit in the category of living according to the indulgence of the flesh, living according to the knowledge of what is evil. There's another aspect of this in the sense of what the law provides, that the law will tell you things that you are not supposed to do, that you probably never would have thought of doing at all anyway. But now that the law says, now don't do this, well, then within you, you think, "Eh, I kind of want to do that anyway. I never thought about it. But now that you brought it up, it sounds pretty good, and so I think I'll just go do it. So there's the natural rebellion, and then there's the presentation of new sins that people never thought about. And when a person dwells on those things and thinks about those things, then eventually they might very well just simply commit that sin. This is what I would call an individual who is living according to the knowledge of what is evil. Now, for those who do not want to live according to the indulgence of the flesh, but who might want to live according to the restraint of the flesh, well, the devil is for them as well. The demons are available for those kinds of people as well. The kind of person who wants to restrain their flesh, who wants to live according to what is good, more than living according to what is evil, if they really want to live according to what is good, then he can tell them All the good things that they should be doing. And how would these good things be defined? They will be defined by some form of religious law. And so those who are religious, those who are religious in the sense that they live for the restraint of their flesh, to try to get their flesh under control, are easy targets for the demons who will promote the knowledge of what is good Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with what is good. The problem is that our God did not create us in a way that we can live as he wants us to live through knowing what is good. If that's the case, then we don't need him. But the fact is that we need him within us to transform and change us and guide us according to his desire, his design, which has nothing to do with what is good or evil. It has to do with living a life of dependency and trust in our God. It has to do with something entirely different. There is a third way of life that has nothing to do with the indulgence of the flesh or the restraint of the flesh. The devil and his demons are preoccupied with those people who are wanting to live their lives indulging their flesh or who are wanting to live their lives by restraining their flesh and, of course, everyone in between those two different scales. So this is what I want you to see is that an individual who lives according to the restraint of the flesh believes that they will be able to obtain love and acceptance and meaning and purpose through their obedience to what is good and their repentance to what is evil Through repentance and obedience, they will be loved and accepted. Now, of course, they are never going to be loved and accepted by their God because they will never be obedient enough. So the most that they can hope for is to be loved and accepted by other people who are trying to do the same thing. But the end result is still separation from God. It is separation from him. Because they will be ashamed, because they will be embarrassed, because they will be a disgrace, because he will be disgusted with them, because they cannot be perfect as God. That's the message of religion, that's the message of of those demons who are devoted to living according to what is good and trying to get other people to live according to what is good and whispering to them and speaking to them and being involved in their lives, supporting them, perhaps even performing miracles and signs and wonders in order to endorse them in some way so that those people will be a manifestation, they will be a reflection of the demons who are actively involved in this world through the knowledge of what is good. And it may very well be good, but it's not of God. And so by definition, it not being of God, it may have the appearance of being good, but in truth, it really is evil because of the absence of the living God within that person's life, within that belief, within that activity. He is completely absent Now, what happens between these two different groups of individuals, between those who live to indulge their flesh and those who live to restrain their flesh? What happens between these two different groups of people? Well, they compete against each other. They compare themselves with each other. You know, the religious people, they say, look at those non-religious people, those heathen, those people who live to indulge their flesh. They are so wicked. They are so evil. But we are so wonderful. And what do you think those people say about the religious people? They say the same But they say it in a different way. They say things like, look at those religious hypocrites. Those people think that they're impressive, but we know better. We know that they're nothing more than a bunch of actors. We know that they're just pretending to be somebody that they're not. We know that they're condemning other people for sins that they commit themselves. And we know through their testimony that there cannot be a God because... They say that people will know God because they're so wonderful, and obviously they're not, so there must not be a God. And so let's live our lives in the way that we are, and we can condemn those religious people while those religious people are condemning us, and they compare each other with each other, and they fight with each other as if they are fighting this war. But the fact is that they are both two sides of the same coin. The knowledge of good and evil is what the devil and his angels, the demons, are using in order to manifest themselves within and through humanity so that humanity will then be a reflection. They will be in the image of the devil and his demons. That's the goal. Who cares whether people are indulging their flesh or restraining their flesh? From the devil's point of view, who cares? The end result is is that the devil tells them things that the devil believes, that reflect what the devil thinks, and that people live their lives as a manifestation of what the devil conveys. The devil and his demons can live their lives within and through these individuals who don't even recognize that the demons exist, and their goal is accomplished at the cost of destroying People who are trying to live in a way that God never intended. That's what the world looks like. That's what things look like. You must understand that the religious and the non-religious are competing with each other, thinking that they both know something, thinking that they're impressive, that they've got things figured out. That they know who God is, maybe, or enough about God that they can compare themselves with those who don't know God like they do. But they don't know God. They know, at best, these other gods, which are demons, who pretend to be gods, they are not gods at all. They worship these other gods who are not gods. They serve the demons as if they are gods, and they are not. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 8 it says but then indeed when you did not know god you served those which by nature are not gods again in verse 8 but then indeed when you did not know god you served those which by nature are not gods when did you not know god when you were lost and when you were lost You were either lost in the sense that you were living your life for the indulgence of your flesh, the restraint of your flesh, or somewhere in between. And in between those extremes, being on that scale, there was no way for you to know your God. No way at all. Not even in the law that God gave. Not even in that law would you have an opportunity to know your God, the one who gave it. He promised that he would help you indulge your flesh with more flour in your kneading bowl. Mildew and mold would not overtake you. He, He offered indulgences in the flesh, but he said nothing in the law ever about knowing him. The only way that we will ever know him is through the new covenant. And the only way that we can enter into the new covenant is if we are set free from the old. And the only way that we will be set free from the old is to be set free from this pursuit of the knowledge of good and evil. And the only way to be set free from that is through forgiveness. Because the truth is that we have failed, we have sinned, we are evil, we will never do all that which is good. Our only hope is forgiveness. That's it. And so through his forgiveness, we can be set free from the power of the devil and his demons through forgiveness, we will be set free so that we can enter into the new covenant and walk in the newness of life. Because when we are forgiven, we no longer live according to the knowledge of good and evil. There's no place for that in our lives anymore. It has its place. It has its purpose, but not not for our lives after we have been saved. And so when we are set free through forgiveness, the devil and his demons can no longer Relate to us on the basis of the knowledge of good and evil. He cannot continue to preach to us the same sermon he gave Adam and Eve, which was, if you only know what's good and do what's good, then you can be right with God. You can be like God. You can be who God made you to be. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. No! That was the first sermon of the devil and he's been saying the same thing ever since. And you've got to let go of that. You must recognize that that is not how your God created you. You must turn away from the knowledge of good and evil to embrace the tree of life, to embrace the tree that God gave to Adam and Eve so that they might live. That is the abstraction that describes the life of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you so that you can live your life being led and guided by him according to who he is to you relationally. He is the one who loves you and accepts you. And through the love and acceptance that he gives, he sets you free from sin. He sets you free from the world. This is the beginning of the new covenant, and we enter into it through forgiveness. It is only then that you can begin to know your God. But forgiveness is a tremendous barrier. A serious barrier. I did a complete series on the subject of forgiveness, and most of the programs that I presented in that series address those barriers that people are held back by. People are held in bondage because they believe that they are forgiven, but in other ways, they don't believe that they are forgiven. And these are barriers that prevent an individual from continuing on from growing, from maturing, from becoming an adult in Christ, from discovering who he is. Because if you won't, if you won't see the truth of who he is in light of his forgiveness, there really is nothing more that he can show you about who he is. So if you know your God, then you are not one of those who serve the devil or his demons, those who are not God's, but pretend to be so. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. we